Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. What is up? My name is Evan Singler. And I'm Eddie Ernst. And this is the PTA Tapes, a podcast where we go, tell them, Eddie. Behind the scenes of physical therapy. That is right. Behind the scenes of physical therapy. We want to talk to people about their story, what makes them different, and how others can channel their difference to also be successful. So, put the tape in and let's roll. We're coming back on the air after an interruption due to technical problems. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PA Tapes at SSPT Live in Clearwater, Florida. Um, Just doing a bunch of interviews with people, talking about why they got into PT, why they're here, and what they want to do with their life. Uh, So I'm going to let my guest do an introduction for herself, and then we'll kind of get into it. Hey, my name is Susie Lenardi. I'm actually um, end of first year now, SPT. Um, So I'm a current PT student at NYU. I'm originally from San Francisco Bay Area and moved out to New York for PT school. Um, And now I'm down here in Florida with the rest of these great people. Leading into PT school, I came from a little bit of a different background. Um, I was a neuroscience, uh, cognitive neuroscience undergrad and a dance minor. Um, Then took a couple years doing neuroscience research, realized that I didn't want to be stuck in a basement seeing the same five people and no windows for the rest of my life and seeing about a ceiling of $40,000 salary per year, unless I went the PhD route, and that just wasn't for me at the time. So I, um, I left, I moved back to the Bay Area, and um, decided that I would go get a programming job because I knew how to do different coding languages. Um, that bored me to death, and I went to 84 job interviews, um, had a bunch of different on-sites, a bunch of different case studies, and all of them gave me the same feedback, which was, we just don't think that you want this enough. So, and they're right. They're definitely right. <laughs> I didn't want it. Um, so I had to kind of figure out what else I was going to do. Spent six months unemployed. Um, went to a yoga teacher training program. Okay. Uh, that got me back into the fitness realm, and then I started spending all my time at the gym because I had so much free time. (laughs) Um, And then it kind of snowballed from there. I just started finding ways to integrate science into fitness. Um, Went and got a personal training certification, worked as a trainer for two years. Um, That's how I fell in love with bodybuilding. And then it just kind of became this, oh, and I also traveled with a football team, and I worked with okay. some athletic trainers for some time. Okay. Um, that was cool, too, and and through a, a medley of all of it, they, everyone just kind of came down and said, like, well, have you thought about PT? Like, mm-hmm. where, like, you seem like the perfect candidate to want to go the PT route, and I really didn't know anything about it. Sure. Um, until I started researching PT school, and I was like, oh, yeah, this, these are the prereqs? Like, this is all, all the things I like to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here we are, so I'm really excited about it. Awesome. Uh, so what all schools did you apply to? or did, Was it NYU your number one, or how, how'd that work out for you? I was interested um, just to go to a big city because um, I wanted some of my story of just random opportunity coming to you. I figured the best thing I could do is go somewhere where there's a lot of people and a lot of experiences, um, where I won't get put into a single box and be stuck there for the three years. Because it is a big investment, and I wanted 
to make the most of it. Um, so I applied to San Francisco, um, Los Angeles. Um, I looked at Austin. I looked at New York. Chicago was a big one for me. Um, I applied to UF in Gainesville, which even though it's a smaller city, um, they have a, a pretty solid program. And my mom was a gator for okay. undergrad, so <laughs> she was excited about that. Um, a lot of California schools, sure. just because it's home. Um, but New York has a really strong um, exercise program, okay. and that along with what I want to do. So that ended up being the one. Okay. Um, so what do you, how much of your schooling now in terms of like the like therapeutic exercise? Because I know that's been one uh, complaint with a lot of PT students when they graduate is they get all this background information in pathology and everything that they obviously need, but there's just not enough like therex or prescription and dosing and strength and conditioning. So how much of what you already knew um, is in your schooling or how much, you know, do you feel like you have an advantage over your, uh, your classmates because of what you've done before? Yeah, great yeah, question. great question. Um, I definitely feel like I had um, a pretty big advantage when it came to, we, we did a ton of exercise science classes in mm. kinesiology this last first year. And um, and there's me and one other uh, person in the class who was a personal trainer um, in a class of 42 people. Okay. So everyone, although they have a love for PT, they yeah. didn't really know the same sort of um, program design that you were mentioning. Yeah. Um, and part of our, of our curriculum is we're required to complete our CSCS. Okay. Um, so, so they do, um, Two, two courses during your spring semester that are basically like a study guide for the CSCS and, and we do like prep quizzes and we go chapter by chapter through the whole CSCS textbook um, or the, it's the NSCA textbook mm. um, for the Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialization okay. course. Um, and, and a huge chunk of that is program design. So yeah. So we'll break up into groups, and, and my group, for example, was assigned. You have a sophomore in college who plays recreational softball, and she wants to make the NCAA Division One team during her junior year. Um, design a training program for her to get there. Um, it has to be a three-month program, and so you, you go through all of the different periodization and okay. how you get someone from off-season to pre-season. Um, you work on... Um, like the specific exercises themselves and how each one relates to it. So you, you have to kind of create a position for her. So we, we said that she was a um, shortstop. And so we had to work on different agility drills that are like within her, her close realm. And um, she also wanted to, it was a sign that she wanted to improve her hitting power. Um, so we had to look at different mechanics you could do for power health, how you build that strength base and then where you go from there um, during that three-month program. So a lot of elements layering yeah. into it, um, but I feel like when we, as a class, finished the course, we all kind of agreed that this was extremely helpful. Sure. And it makes you feel a lot more confident when you go out there into the work world and clinic and just are ready to go. So everybody that graduates from that program has their CSCS? Yes. Okay, yeah. so you guys take the test and, and everything on yep. there. We also okay. do um, we also do the Mat One Pilates um, okay. to up to a point. So we do a weekend the first basically it's like the first course of your Mat One. Yeah. Um, and then you're welcome to continue doing it yourself, but it gives you some exposure. Um, and one of the classes that we took this last semester, every week we went kind of like a class field trip. Okay. We went to a different studio um, and we did something different. So we had an aqua aerobics day, we had a spin class, we had um, TRX class. So we just, it's just exposure to different things. Yeah. 
because your patients are going to come in and they're going to want new methods of exercising yeah. or something within their realm, um, or they might be a really experienced cyclist already and yeah. you might not know anything about it. So how do you relate to them? So just knowing it for yourself and feeling it in your own body can be a good learning experience. For sure. So is that? Did you know that NYU did that kind of uh, in-depth strength and conditioning stuff when you applied there? Yeah, okay. definitely. That was that was kind of the selling point for me is knowing that I I. I really wanted to go sports ortho, and I still think I do. Sure. Um, they do encourage you that to, to try to stay a generalist as long as possible, right? Yeah. Because you might not know, like, if you close your mind off to other avenues, yeah. and you're just like, oh, no, it's sports all the way, and then you limit yourself from the potential of maybe neuro is really your thing, or yeah. cardiopulm is, is your true love, and yeah. you just don't know it. So um, I, I like the exercise focus, but they do a good job of making sure you stay open to other things too. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. And that's good. Cause that was kind of for me when I first started was I only wanted to work with like high school athletes and kind of do the quote unquote early intervention of like, here's what like the science says of like all the different supplements you're taking and all these things that you're going to hear when you get to college and your high school coaches, like here's what's actually going to help you. And then I got into a vestibular clinic for one of my clinicals and just fell in love with it. I love dealing with dizzy people and, and treating PPPV and, uh, hyperfunction sensory mismatch like that's my wheelhouse now and that's what I love and luckily I was able to find a clinic that that does that for my job now um, but yeah absolutely staying open you know and, and it's hard especially you know when you have such a huge background like yourself in, in strength conditioning bodybuilding stuff like that uh, but definitely important to to at least keep an open mind and do those clinicals that they're gonna stick you in um, for cardiopulm or, or acute care and stuff and it's probably not gonna be fun but initially at least but you know having that exposure will be important um so the, well, we can bring it back to uh, so SSPT. Um, so what's your, like, do you have a, a side hustle that you're doing? Do you do online coaching? Or is that something you're looking to get into? Like, why are, why are you here for, for the weekend? Yeah, yeah. So um, a couple of my past um, personal training clients and I have kept in touch. And so I, I kind of have some side mentoring back and forth. Nothing mm -hmm. that generates um, any sort of income enough that I could call it own, its own thing sure. um, yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but SSPT for me was, um, I mean, we're, we're in a spot where there's people here gen like generating seven-figure incomes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of our lectures are talked about um, how to get the six-figure income. And even for that, like entry PT nationwide is 85,000 yeah. um, average salary. So um, six figures is already a step up from there. Yeah. And, and just the fact that I'm nearly at six figures in debt already from just one <laughs> yep. year of PT school, um, it's not an option for me to yeah. go entry, average yep. salary, be in a, in a hospital or a clinic where I'm going to have to see 60 patients a week yeah. and spend my lunch and family time doing paperwork. Yep. That's just, I'm not doing that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so um, there had to be another way. And um, I do plan on doing one-on-one -on -one private practice yeah. um, I really like working with individuals in their own like personal it's it really is personalized sure. treatment yeah um, and we'll see where it goes um, this has kind of been an idea generating environment for me yeah um, I technically start my first clinics in three 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 weeks, four weeks. Okay. So I'm not even there yet. Yeah. Um, and I've been advised by my mentor in SSPT, yeah. Javi or Javier Carlin. And he, um, he said just, you know, I know you're anxious. Yeah. Um, 
but you have an idea of your niche, but you don't know quite what your exact niche is yet. Yeah. So the best thing you can do is go to these clinics and really just pay attention to what is it you like? What is it that you're like really happy about doing? Yeah. What kind of patients make you really happy? And, and pay attention to those happy moments and then reel in on them and then start finding a way to connect what I know and what I've done and what I want to do into what makes me really happy in yeah. those little moments. And then that's going to be my niche and that's where I'm going to go with it. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's a, a great. And I, I agree with Javi there is you don't, you don't know and what you don't know and you don't know until you know, really mm -hmm. and truly. Um, but yeah, I love it. I love all that. Um, where would your ideal, so let's say five, five years from now, everything's all set and you're, you're practicing, you know, in the area or in the clinic that you want, where do you want to end up at? Great question. Um, I'm still asking myself that question. Okay. Um, I've considered travel PT because um, okay. that's a good way to kind of get exposure to different cities sure. and, and figure out um, good places to settle down. I know there's a lot of benefit once you decide to open a practice to settle down mm. in somewhere like one city because word of mouth does a lot for your client yeah. base um, and having your regulars come back does a lot for your relationships with your patients. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm still figuring that out. Um, part of it is financially driven, considering things like, like Texas has no state income tax, yeah. or um, part of it is geographically driven. Like, do I want to be near a beach? And like, yeah, what yeah, makes yeah. me happy in my personal life? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, different different elements there. Sure. Um, there's a list of about six cities I'm really kind of thinking about. Okay. Um, and then visiting when I can yeah. to really see can I live here. Yeah. Um, but. It's like it's a little early in my in my mind to pick the city. Yeah, sure. Five years is still a ways away. Oh yeah, for happen. sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it comes by quick though. Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> and I'll probably cut and edit this to put this board towards the beginning. But I do want to talk about your bodybuilding experience. So when you were in that uh, or starting that phase of your life or in the middle of that phase of your life, um, I mean, what's it what's it like being a bodybuilder going through the competitions? What's the mindset that you're in? Um, how do you deal with you know aches and pains versus injuries? Like what what's the process like for you? Yeah, um, it's it's insane. It's probably one of the most challenging things, if not the most challenging thing that I've ever done in my life. Yeah, the amount of self discipline um, and the amount of like willpower that you have to have is huge. Um, and it, it grows with your motivation, but, but you really have to want that angle for yourself. And for me, I know it seems kind of like hokey, but it was like getting on stage and like getting that trophy. Mm. Um, and in some of the, in some of the competitions, like you can get a sword if you're like the yeah, overall yeah, winner, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's lame to say, but it's like that sword was my motivation and, no, and not like just to have a sword cause that's cool, but I yeah. could go buy one. Yeah. But it was more so the, the fact of like knowing that I did it and I became yeah. my best. Um, and it started being like more of a competition towards other people, right? Yeah. How do I, how do I control like, or how do I make my body look better than that girl? Yeah. Um, but it really started like throughout the process, maybe about a month in, I realized how much it, it's really me versus me. Yeah. Um, and then the whole point of coming back and doing another show is you compare yourself to your previous body. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not, you know, it's, it's where, where was I and where did I get to in that 12 to 16 weeks? Yeah. And then it's where was I that show versus the next show. And you start to look at that as your progression and your true building of your body. Yeah. Um, I didn't have any injuries through that entire prep period, which was pretty amazing. I competed in October, 2017. Okay. Um, and I, 
I did my prep starting, um, I did like a pre-prep, which is really just kind of working with my coach yeah. um, in the off season to kind of figure out like where are we going to go. It's a little bit more um, heavy resistance train loading, yeah. okay. um, wasn't quite on the diet yet. And then I started dieting in June. It was June um, because I remember I went to Japan in May, and I was, oh, I was wow. like, I was like, I have to wait till I get back from my <laughs> vacation because I'm not dieting while I'm on vacation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and as soon as I got back, it was like game on. Yeah. Um, and it started with um, carefully controlled diet, six days a week. Um, it wasn't necessarily a cheat day on the mm -hmm. seventh day. But it was a cheat meal. Okay. Um, so it was still within the realm, but you could have one meal that was just kind of a little bit crazier. Um, and there was a lot more on my nutrition list that I could eat. And then as, as my weeks went on, he, my coach would kind of cut things out and he'd yeah. say, you can't eat this anymore. You can't yeah. eat this. Okay. And by the end, um, which was insane, I, for 10 days, ate nothing but cod and asparagus. <laughs> for 10 days? For 10 days. Seven meals a day for 10 days. So you had four ounces of, of cod, like a very lean white fish yeah. that was cheap because I couldn't afford halibut sure. for that much of it. Um, and tilapia was making me break out because there was no wild caught fresh tilapia. It was all farm okay. raised and yeah, I yeah. just got this crazy skin rash. I was like, I can't eat this. So cod, just okay. cod. Um, and then asparagus, one cup of, of asparagus. And I had that, um, starting my first meal at 6 a.m. and then all the way up every two to three or every three to four hours you yeah. have a meal um by the 10th day meal four I just couldn't hold it down anymore okay. and I was just I, like like if you put a bite of food in your mouth you're like no it's <laughs> that's not food and just immediately spit out like I can't even I can't even pop like yeah. he's like not gonna eat it <laughs> so I called my coach I said please let me eat anything else and he's like okay you can have half a cup of oatmeal <laughs> Most amazing words sure, I've ever yeah. heard. Gosh, so I remember like the next day or a couple days later, two days later um, was the show. Yeah. Um, and I got to eat steak and a rice cake. And then after the show, after prejudging, I got to have sushi and half a burger. Like <laughs> this is amazing. Sure, no, absolutely. <laughs> so just the mind game of being able to control like that discipline of like not giving in and there was no alcohol this whole yeah, period sure. either. Like that's just the worst thing for the body. So, yeah. um, yeah, it was nuts. Imagine going to outside lands like music festival and yeah. your friends are all drinking for three, four days and you're not drinking any <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> it's a, it's a different experience. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough just to maintain that level of discipline. Yeah. Well, shoot, that's awesome. Um, as far as, yeah. Like, so if somebody is treating, and we'll say CrossFit athletes or bodybuilders because they're similar high-level yeah. athletes in their own realm. So, like, if you went into somebody as a patient, what are you looking for in a provider as a bodybuilder? If it's a physical therapist, ATC, whatever, um, what would make you buy into what they're selling as far as, like, you know, as a bodybuilder, you're jacked. So yeah. if the, the therapist, you know, quote-unquote normal, they're not as you know, as in shaping you, what are you looking for in terms of what they're saying or what they're showing you that's going to make you buy into what they're, what they're putting down? I love that question. Um, and I've actually thought about this from the reverse mindset too, as if I wanted to be the, um, the practitioner, like what would I be expected to help these bodybuilders coming in to see me? Yeah. What would they want out of me as well? And, um, I think one of the biggest things is in bodybuilding, it's, it's really about symmetry. Mm. 
Um, what's sad is that it's not really about functionality. Yeah. Um, and sometimes um, people will go, including myself, to great lengths to to have a certain look that could really be hurtful in other realms. Sure. Um, for example, like for in bikini bodybuilding, the deltoids are huge. Like your shoulders okay. have to be really big. Like we, we jokingly call them boulder shoulders. Yeah. No. And um, and everybody knows in the PT realm that that you know you you need to have like a strong rotator cuff as yeah. well to pair with your deltoid. And yeah. a lot of people who train in in bodybuilding and just more bro science, you mm -hmm. know, they'll do overhead press for days and they'll do front raise and side raise for days, but yeah. they won't actually do any sort of stabilization training. Okay. Um, so I think it's extremely important as a physical therapist or, or PTA as well as yeah. to work with these patients and teach them really like, how are you going to like prime the muscles that you need? Yeah. How do you build your stabilization behind it? Like, let me help you develop the foundation first. Then you can focus on the bigger parts. Um, and if it's injury, so say it's less, not so much prehab, but rehab, yeah. um, someone comes in, you know, they tore their quad. I've seen this happen with bodybuilders. They tear a quad. Yeah. Um, that can be a total like career ender right there. Um, and it's how do you build that symmetry back up again? So you have to maintain and, and not lose any muscle atrophy on the um, the non-injured leg. Yeah. At the same time, build up and get that full hypertrophy program on the recovery leg yeah. after a normal rehab program. Yeah. So um, it's a lot to, to help that kind of process and at the same time maintain Everything some flexibility, yeah. and right? So... Um, yeah, I, I think symmetry and general foundation priming, um, stabilization, that's that's really okay. key. Sweet deal. Um, I think that's all I got for you right now. Anything you want to plug, anything you're working on, anything any of your friends are working on that you want to throw in? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, if you're if you're interested in um, nutrition or bodybuilding or yoga or any of the plethora of random things I like to talk about, um, feel free to reach out. I'm I'm always free for um, talking back and forth with people. I just love talking clearly. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my Instagram is as Susie Ray Fitness, which is S U S I E R A E Fitness. Um, you can follow me there, and I look forward to to chatting with you and. Thank you so much, Not Eddie, for having me you. on the show. This is great. Perfect. Thank you very much, Susie. Uh, look forward to the rest of the episodes from SSPT, and uh, have a good one, everybody. Thanks. Thanks.